When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello Bulls fans and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast presented to you by our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook. Download the app and be sure to use promo code CHGO when you sign up. I am Mark K from Australia at MK Hoops on Twitter, joined by that beautiful, handsome man who's returned from his gallivanting across the seas. Previously was joining me in the Southern Hemisphere, now back in the Northern Hemisphere, it is William the Goat Gottlieb. Will, how are you, sir? What an intro. Uh, I'm all right. How, how are you doing today? It's a, I feel like it's a weird day in Bulls, Bulls fan nation. Yeah, look, I don't know if I want to give people the actual insight into how I'm doing today. <laughs> because, well, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's tell, do it. tell the people. Yeah, yesterday, I was... Bulls games for me are generally in the afternoon, early afternoon. So I'm sitting there yesterday. I'm I, like I'm obviously consuming the game, watch the game. Very fun first half. See the second half, obviously dismayed as everyone else was. Watch you guys in post game. Didn't necessarily lift my mood to be honest with you. And then just for the rest of the day, there was just this general lull, and I was like wondering, I'm like wondering, why do I feel like this? And then this morning, I had an epiphany that I felt like this because of the Bulls, and I consumed an entire large pizza last night, an entire large tub of ice cream. And I just woke up this morning feeling really shitty and bloated and terrible. I'm like, why do I feel like this? I'm like, ah, oh, it's because you ate like crap. And you ate like crap because of the Chicago Bulls played like crap. So this team has uh, just just has me in so many different ways, I suppose. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate. But the amount of emotional investment that we have in this team and how they torture us physically at times, it just came to a head yesterday. And uh, I guess uh, <laughs> that's why I'm feeling like trash today, if, if, if people can see that in my face. It's early in the morning here and I look terrible, but uh, that's why, William. And I look even more. Look, I always look terrible in comparison to your beautiful self, but it's even, it's, it's more true than normal. But uh, oh, how are you doing? You that, is, that, is, <laughs> that is dark, man. A whole pizza, a whole tub of ice cream, a whole yeah. wheel of cheese. I'm not even mad. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was like, I kind of wrote this in my post game column. Uh, there's just so many rock bottoms to pick from at this point that yeah. it's like, I don't even know which is the actual. I mean, Lonzo not being ready to start the season, Lonzo having surgery two days before the training camp starts. Um, you know, Zach Levine getting benched in the fourth quarter and then Jalen Suggs hitting a game winner on the Bulls right before Billy Donovan called out the big three or giving up 150 to the Timberwolves and having like a blowout, a quote blowout is what Joe Kylie called it on Twitter during halftime of that game where people were getting pissed at Zach or finally, finally string a couple of good games together and then getting absolutely killed by the Rockets or giving up 50 to Devin Booker or 71 to Donovan Mitchell. I mean, it's just like, what we're just trending in 
such a negative direction. And I want to get into, obviously, like the officiating was really the story of the game for, for the Bulls side of it. Obviously, the 71 points is what the rest of the league and fans around the league will talk about. But mm-hmm. to me, what's interesting about this is sort of the narrative about the team and and what happens coming out of this game. Yep. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe we can just start with sort of the the officiating and, and where all that's gone. Uh, I, I know everybody's going to be very excited to see the NBA's last two-minute report about the lane violation. Obviously, there were a million foul calls that could have gone either way. The NBA has not yet released the two-minute report for yesterday's games. They have not released the two-minute report for games on January 1st, which was Monday. Um, sorry, Sunday. Um, so we, we may be waiting for those. But, I mean, certainly, I kind of tweeted about this, and I think it was taken the wrong way. Uh, certainly, fouls, officiating, and the lane violation affected the outcome of the game. I'm not saying – I wouldn't I wouldn't argue otherwise. Like, that's just a truth. It's a fact. Mm-hmm. Um but to me, and, and we talked about it last night, and I, I wanted to give you a chance to talk about it because we didn't get a chance to hear your thoughts, um, and maybe for the best if you were just downing a pizza and ice cream. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just think there are, like, such bigger issues with the team, as I listed off there. I mean, like, how, how low are we going to get here? Yeah, look, I think listeners will be shocked to know that you and I have a fairly similar opinion on this, as we typically do. But... um no, I just feel like the same. Like, like, yeah, okay. I'm. I can obviously recognize that the, the refs had an influence on the outcome of the game, and that they no played a large it. part. No, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So, people who are suggesting that the pull, uh, the refs contributed to this, uh, are correct. And I usually try to avoid that type of criticism because, in most cases, yes, okay, there might be a bad call here or there, but things go both ways. There's still opportunities for, for you to get things back and, and right the ship in so many different ways. But yesterday was egregious. Like the calls that they were going against the Bulls in the third quarter in particular, but also the, the second half more generally, they were ref differently to the Cavs. They were ref differently to what was happening in the first half. So anyone who wants to say the refs contributed to the loss yesterday is 100% correct. But at the same time, if that's all we focus on, like it just absolves the team, the coaching, whatever, the roster construction, anything, uh, all of which we'll get into today. It just absolves everyone else to just blame it all on the refs. Because at the end of the way, the, the way I'm processing this, Will, is like the refs gave the, the Cavs an opportunity to get back in the game. The Bulls gave the Cavs an opportunity to win the game. So that's the way I can best sum it up, I suppose, from my perspective, like, even though the refs were so egregious and were handing uh, a lot of things to the Cavs, the Bulls did so many things wrong within things that they could control themselves that ultimately led to this W for the Cavs. Like the first half was really good for a number of reasons because they got after it defensively. They only allowed the Cavs to have two offensive rebounds and the teams were tied in three-point makes at the half with six apiece. In the second half, at the end of the game, at least, the Cavs finished with 16 threes. The Bulls have 10. So, obviously, that's an 18-point swing there. Uh, from an offensive rebounding standpoint, the Cavs had 13 re- offensive rebounds to end the game. They had two at half. So, obviously, they had 11 offensive rebounds in that second half and in that overtime period. So, that's a thing the Bulls just do not control. That is an element of the game that they could have controlled. In spite of the refs being absolute douchebags, you can still can control the glass like you were in the first half. So... Yes, the refs were terrible. Yes, Donovan Mitchell was incredible and he doesn't get 71 without the refs. 
But at the same time, like the Bulls contributed to him getting to 71 in the first place. So uh, that, that's my take on it. And uh, I just I just think it absolves this team too much if we focus entirely on the refs. Yeah, I 1000% agree. I mean, basically my point, and I just want to like reference this tweet again because uh, it got a lot of pushback, which to be fair, um, you know, I, I get it. Uh, like the officiating impacted the game again. That that is a that is a truism, but it's not like that was the only thing that led to this Bulls loss. And I think that's kind of the point you're making too, where mm-hmm. if you're just saying like the Bulls are the victims here, the basketball gods have it out for the Bulls, the officials have it out for the Bulls. Like you, I think you're just missing the forest through the trees, and you're not like and and so what? Like what do you like? What is complaining about this? What does that get you? I understand yeah. that the same thing happened the night before against the Cavs, where in the last two-minute report, Karis LeVert should have been called for a foul on DeMar DeRozan's final shot. I get that that same thing happened against the Wizards in the second game of the season. But like the outcome is the outcome at this point. And even if the outcome was changed, like I don't know if that really changes the trajectory of this team. We'll we'll talk more about that as we get on here, but um I, I I don't see how like losing your mind over this performance from Mitchell. Um, and that's kind of what I was talking about. Like a, a lot of the tweets that I was seeing during the game were like Donovan shouldn't have this many points. And that was kind of what I was referencing. It wasn't necessarily about the outcome of the game. I didn't mention that at all. Obviously, like I said, that was affected, but um, there's just so much more wrong here. And to me, it's like, I don't want I don't want to have more of these games that's just fool's gold where you win against the Bucks or the Celtics and now all of a sudden things seem great, but you still have a negative 1.5 net rating and you're still, mm-hmm. you know, 25th in the league in offense and you're still the 11th seed in the East. Like those those things are just contributing to this this idea that the Bulls are better than they are and at a certain point Billy Donovan said this and I hundred percent agree. Like their record is what the record is. And you can complain yeah. about how it happened or what happened um, or what calls went which way. But at the end of the day, like the record is the record and wins are kind of all that matters. Like the, the process matters, but like the wins, the record is what gets you into the playoffs, into the play in. And right now they're like struggling to get to that 10th seed, which is like, what are we, what are we talking about here? Yeah, completely agree. So like um the I definitely have moments myself where I sit back and you know, I, I think about this game. If this if if Vooch hits his free throws against the Magic, if DeMar gets a foul call against the Wizards, if DeMar gets a foul call last game against the uh against the Cavs, if they call the line uh, lane violation here against Donovan Mitchell, like if all of these things happen differently, then the outcome of maybe where this season is is a little bit different. It's not dr- dramatically different. Maybe they're I don't know, maybe they're, you know, 20 and 16 rather than 16 and 20 or whatever the record is at the moment. So yes, that that has its relevance. But at the same time, I come back to my point before, like it admits a larger concerning trend. Like on post game, last game, but even even maybe one or two games before, like we were talking about this team, how they were, how the trend of their defensive rebounding had started to fall down. That they were for a large part of this season top five in defensive rebounding uh, percentage. But over the last, I don't know, let's call it five, six, seven games, they're, they're fallen down to 23 in defensive rebounding percentage. 
And this game here, like what they were doing in the first half and the reason why, frankly, they were up by, you know, 15, 17 points is they took what they, the lessons they learned from that first Cavs game where they let up a lot of threes, they let up a lot of offensive rebounds and second chance points. They took that away in the, this first half of this second Cavs game, but they gave that all back. So the reason why I can't let that go is it's trends that are of things that have been happening for a number of games now. So yes, it's annoying in the the fact that the refs assisted Donovan Mitchell in the in the way that he played. Not to not to you know not to take everything away from Donovan Mitchell, who was absolutely incredible himself. But yeah, I, I, the reason why I just can't absolve the Bulls here is the way they handed the Cavs the game is the way they've handed a lot of games away. So yeah, we can play the what if game a, a number of times, but your point is correct, and and Billy is correct as well. Like ultimately. When we're looking back at this season, at the end of this season, in a number of two seasons' time, all that we're going to be thinking about is the Bulls were X and X in terms of record, whatever that is. That's the key determinant, the Bulls were, unfortunately. The Bulls were X and X, and Donovan Mitchell scored 71. Like This is not the yeah, game that that's... Donovan Mitchell got away with a lane violation. And the other thing that I want to point out is Billy has talked about this, like I think, almost every single post game, which is you have to face accountability here and you have to like you have to step to the moment and you have to face adversity and overcome it if you want to be a good team and i think to your point like blaming the refs for this does not do that blaming the refs for missing a call doesn't do that and you know and i niu dean is is pointing out a couple of plays that went the bulls way obviously like it wasn't a, a foul call that the refs missed that allowed Io to have that putback or Demar to you know hit those shots, but the the idea is that like things go both ways. And at the end of the day, to me, this game was not about missed calls. It was not about uh, you know the Bulls getting robbed or the Bulls not having a chance to get closer to whatever. I mean, it's just that they weren't good enough. And yes, the refs helped that. And I again don't want to overlook that, but. I think the the issues are a lot bigger here. Yeah, and look, all that shit happened. Like the refs happened, the Donovan Mitchell happened, all that stuff happened. But the Bulls still had an entire half and an entire overtime period to win this game, and they didn't. Like there was obviously Pat's missed box out on the. Let's the, the let's talk about the regulation. Let's talk about that. I want to talk about mm-hmm. the missed box out for a second. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a couple ways to look at it. Like rewatching mm-hmm. the play, I think. I mean, Pat it's not like he was just standing there. Like he tried to get in the lane. I think the fact that Donovan had come off the line um, early and Joey, if you have that uh, quote from the NBA rule book, you can throw that, throw that up there now. But basically the idea is that for a shooter, if you step over the line before the ball touches the rim, it's a violation and the play should be ruled dead. Um, so obviously like, again, the, the refs impacted the game there. Um, yeah. But for me, and and I think people are right to point out that like that also contributed to Patrick's inability to box Donovan out. If he, you know, takes off before the whistle blows, then he's got, you know, kind of a lane to the basket and a chance to, uh, you know, get downhill to get that rebound before Patrick's able to step over. Um, so I, I want to point that out. I don't think I think a lot of people are pissed at Patrick for that, and I think that contributed to it you you still have to execute but i think that that was a part of it as well 
Well, look, I'm one of those people that is annoyed, uh, to be honest with you. Like, I don't care if Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell was half a step in before the shot hit the rim. Like, yeah, he, he he clearly committed a violation. So, yes, he should have been called for that, given what they were already calling. They already set that precedent earlier. So I understand why people are annoyed by that because Caruso got, got uh, hit with those violations earlier. So that's totally true. But at the same time, you need to box that guy out. Like this isn't a situation where it's just a random free throw in the in the middle of the second quarter where the ball may luck back to to the shooter. This you knew exactly what this what was being telegraphed here. Donovan Mitchell, the Cavs were trying to miss the shot to get the offensive rebound. So even if you have to commit a violation yourself to prevent the guy from freaking getting the rebound, you need to make sure that you put your body between between the rim and the player. And Pat didn't do that. He didn't execute. Like that's one example of the Bulls failing to win this game there's many more so i was annoyed as soon as I, as soon as that play happened i was annoyed at pat I'm, and i remain annoyed about that but i'm not just annoyed at pat because there was other sequences throughout this game that cost this team but uh i think it's you know irrespective of the violation itself like let's let's assume it's not a free throw let's assume donovan mitchell's coming down and he travels and that in itself enables him to get past Patrick Williams one-on-one or whoever is defending him. Or maybe he carries the ball and he gets to the rim because of that. Like technically, that's still a violation. But are we going to be like absolving Pat in that instance for allowing a player to get past him and score on him in that, in that case? Like I wouldn't be. Like you still need to play the possession out irrespective of what the refs are going to do. If you're not reacting or if you're allowing something to, to, to happen because you think the ref is going to make a call then that's wrong. Like You need to play the possession out. So uh, yes, the refs got it wrong. That should have been a violation. When that last two-minute report comes out, I'm sure that'll be listed as an incorrect call. It should be. Everyone can see that it was. But irrespective of that, like play the possession out. Just make sure. Don't put it in the hands of the refs for you to win this game. <laughs> take control of this game, especially when the refs are against you. You need to take control, and the Bulls didn't do that. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great point. And it's the same with... The shot from the previous night it's the same for you know the the one against the wizards like putting the game in the hands of the refs is a dangerous place to be you have to to earn it yourself and uh yeah as, as the comment just pointed out i couldn't see who threw it up like the bulls got absolutely worked in overtime 15 to 4 yeah uh you know that you have to you have to finish out the play and that means that possession that you're just talking about, it also means like overtime. They didn't have to roll over and give up 13 more points to Donovan in overtime. Um, Mm. It was just, it wasn't good enough all around. And I think that's to me, the bigger picture here is that they weren't good enough last night. They haven't been good enough this year and their record reflects that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like in overtime, like I owe Pat, a couple other guys, they had good looks at the basket. Like, I own Pat specifically, I think it was in that left corner or the right corner, whichever corner it was. Like they had clear corner three attempts. They missed them. They missed them. They just completely clanked them. And again, that's a theme, a long season trend that this team just can't make enough threes to stay connected to teams. And what do the Cavs do? They go back and score. Uh, so that was a problem. Another theme, I guess, like whenever this team is hit with adversity, they just don't respond more generally. That's the, the one yeah, that's the part that really shits me to tears, as you would say. <laughs> like they just, they don't. Th- that's what you need to be able to do, and they've they've had moments yeah. of it for sure. Like I don't want to take away yeah. the the Bucks like and the Celtics back to back wins, last Bucks yeah. game. They've had their yeah. moments, but it's just 
it's like when a young player has flashes throughout the course of a game and like you think they could be good, but like they're not good yet. And that's to me kind of where the bulls are. Yeah, I get, I, yeah, exactly. And that's why I just can't absolve them because the lack of adversity, the rebounding issue, the three-point issue, like whatever you want to just talk about, the, the point of attack defense, like, these are things we've talked about all season, all season long. So it's maybe I could live with those faults and blame it all entirely on the officials if this or what had occurred in this game was an outlier of sorts, but it's not. It's a season-long trend. Or if it's not a season-long trend, then it's you know a trend over the last 10, 15 games, whatever it is, depending on the issues. So, yeah, that's how I feel about it. I understand why people maybe feel differently in terms of just wanting to, um, you know, weight it more on the refs and blame it more on the refs and those sorts of things, which I understand. It's an emotive time now, right now, to be a Bulls fan. But, uh, yeah, that's my perspective, at least. Let's do some ad reads, William. Shall I start? Let, let, let me do start it. with uh, do it to our it. friends at ComEd. So ComEd, if you haven't heard, is an energy efficiency program which is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities we serve save money and energy. ComEd offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities, whether that's in lighting, HVAC systems, commercial commercial kitchen equipment, or any industrial process, to be fact. So the way this effectively happens is they send out an authorized engineer who will work with you to set up a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. So these can be done in person or virtually, and they last generally around two hours time. So once you've done that, within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing any on energy efficiency projects or opportunities that you can start working on immediately to save on energy and energy costs. So each recommendation will include energy uh, estimated energy cost savings, project costs, potential incentives, and a simple pay- uh, payback scheme. So don't wait. If you're interested in 2023 in saving on energy, saving on money, get started today uh, by using our friends here at ComEd. So you can schedule your free facility assessment by going to comed.com slash poweringbiz. So that's comed.com forward slash poweringbiz. Read if you're ready to sign up for a free facility assessment, call us or call them rather at one 2700 during normal business hours to speak to a ComEd energy efficiency program rep. Or you could even email them at businessee at comed.com for, a, uh, for an assessment. You can also go online too. You can request an assessment online at their website, comed.com forward slash facility assessment. Definitely do not call us about ComEd. You should direct those calls to ComEd. <laughs> well, look, you can call me about ComEd and I can say, look, they're really good and I can refer you to ComEd, but don't call me in terms I don't of have the answers. energy efficiency. <laughs> also, yeah, I don't have the answers, but I can point you in the right direction. Well, I don't have the answers about ComEd. I also don't necessarily have the answers about betting on sports, but I try my best. And today <laughs> is Tuesday, which means pick of the week. Uh, but first, I just want to tell you guys about our favorite sponsors here at CHGO. Of course, that would be DraftKings Sportsbook. It's a new year, but it's the same nonstop NBA action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. You guys know why to use it. You have a shot at bigger payouts. They've got their same game parlays and fast, easy, and reliable payouts. Um, if you're new to DraftKings Sportsbook, you can place any $5 NBA bet and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. That is just incredible value. Um, 
you'd be kind of a fool to not do that. Uh, plus, everyone can take a shot at scoring an even bigger payout with DraftKings same game parlays. You know Parlay Peck loves them. You know we love them. Parlays are the best. Uh, you can combine multiple bets for the same matchup, like who will win, total points, uh, combined rebounds, assistant points, anything like that. DraftKings has it. Um, and I do not go with a parlay for my pick of the week here, which I will reveal. Um, I went with an interesting match tonight that's happening between the Wizards and the Bucks. Uh, I'm, I'm taking Wizards plus five, minus 110 odds. Um, they are at the Bucks. They just played the Bucks on New Year's Day and beat them 118 to 95. I think people are kind of sleeping on the Wizards over the last six games. They are six and zero. They're second in net rating, six in offense, first in defense in the entire league. And again, six and zero over that stretch. Meanwhile, the Bucks are 29th in net rating, 30th in offense, and 19th in defense. And they're one in five. They are getting Drew Holiday back for this game, and like. The Bucks may win. They're they're probably a better team, certainly in a playoff series, but that is going to be closer than seven and a half points. So give me give me the points there. Give me the Bucks, and um, yeah, I think I think they at least. I'm sorry, give me the Wizards. I think they at least make it closer than seven points to make that kind of bet or any kind of parlay. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code CHGO. That's our code for just about all of our sponsors here. So it's easy to remember. New customers, again, will get uh, to bet $5 on any NBA game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Promo code CHGO, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Very good. So, look, I'm not much of a gambler myself. Uh, I'm, I'm just not good at it. I've tried it before. It, I lost money. <laughs> so maybe I should listen to your advice or maybe Parlay Peck's advice. But one thing that um, I am confident in that tomorrow, particularly if the Bulls have a uh, you know a, a bad performance, that we're going to get a lot of hat throws tonight. So Parlay Peck is telling us to take the over. I'm hitting the, I'm hitting the over on night. that one. How many hats died yesterday? How many hats were sacrificed? It felt like at least 17. I'm Too many to count. Tomorrow, yeah, it was it was a lot. But I'm not feeling very positive about tomorrow's God, game. God bless Joey, out. who's got uh, – <laughs> he gives he gives Peck a stack of hats for before every game. And then not only does Peck throw all of the hats, Joey's picking them all up and loading back the clip, loading up the clip again so Peck can keep throwing them. There were a lot of hats that died out there, and they may have had even multiple lives, and they just got killed once more. Well, I've got a feeling there's going to be more deaths tomorrow on the show. So, uh, you know, rest in peace to those hats. Um, we, we appreciate you, even though if Matthew Peck does not, I do, and um, your death won't be in vain tomorrow. I just want to make that noted. But uh, on more rosier topics, William, let's get back to talking about our favorite favorite team. The team that make us eat lots of pizzas and ice cream, the Chicago Bulls. Were there positives to be had yesterday? I don't know. Maybe there were some. Uh, Let's try to find some because we've been very doom and gloom in the first 20-odd minutes of this show. And with reason, I understand why that's the case. But uh, I think there were some encouraging signs yesterday. Uh, And there have been some more. Look, to be fair, over the last couple of weeks, the the Bulls have been playing better. Like They've obviously won games and more games than they've lost. There was the debacle against the Houston Rockets. But beyond that, I think they've been playing more generally. To be fair, since Zach got called out against the Minnesota Timberwolves, I think there's been a noticeable shift 
in how he's playing, how the team's playing. Yes, there's been some some dud games here and there as we witnessed yesterday, but I think there are some positives to be had. So shall we start with defense? Let's start there at least because I think what we saw in the first half was nice. Uh, and like those halves of basketball or those parts of the game where they play like this, this is what always pulls me back in. You know that Godfather meme or gif where it's like, just when, just when I was out. out. <laughs> they pull me back in. That's my my terrible acting. But like the Bulls are the embodiment of this of that freaking gift because there's been so many teams or oh, sorry times this season where I'm like, I'm done. This team I hate this team. <laughs> they annoy the hell out of me. But then they show things or show moments or they show games or show halves, whatever it is, where they do something like this. And it's like, yes, this is the team I believe in. I believe they can do this. They can reach this level i know what the record is but i think they can be better and i point to examples like yesterday's first half where they play so good on defense the defense leads to offense the way the ball was moving yesterday was beautiful so they have these moments within games or within weeks of basketball where it's like yeah this is perfect this is exactly what i envisioned this team being okay it's not going to lead to a championship or a contender or anything like this but it's it's a good basketball team but then you see the second half of games. I was like, where the hell did that go? But anyways, we're trying to be optimistic. So let's talk about the defense from the first half yesterday. What did you like about it? What did you, what did you think they got right? And is it sustainable? Yeah, I mean, it was a carryover from certainly the fourth quarter, maybe the whole second half of the previous game, also against the Cavs, where they seemed to find some energy. Um, Matt Issa for SB Nation wrote a great piece about that. So you should go check it out. Um basically just talking about how the disruption at the point of attack is kind of what allows the Bulls defense to operate the way that it does when it's working. Um, I think that was a source of frustration for Bulls fans in this last game where like all of a sudden Caruso's fouled out in like the fourth quarter, like early in the early in the fourth quarter um, where you just, you remove your defensive system to a certain extent from the game. Uh, IO has been really good in that role as well, but you kind of need both of those guys out there in order to make it work. Um, does it seem sustainable? I think they've definitely found something there. Um, obviously the defensive numbers have been, I think a little bit better than, you know, what they would actually, you know, how, how good they actually are in terms of like what their defensive net rating has been over the course of the season. I know it's fallen off, but like for a decent portion there, they were top 10. Like I said, I don't think that they're actually a top 10 defense, but like you see those moments where they're putting something together. And to me, that's like just perfect example of why I don't think Billy Donovan is the problem here. Like every single game it's fire Billy. It's Billy did this wrong. Should have drawn up a better play, uh, all this stuff. But like, a lot of that stuff, certainly like the DeRozan shot or, um, you know, the fouls on the court that allow Donovan Mitchell to get to the the foul line so much or, or getting the lane violation tip in, whatever it may be. Like when you're putting together, you know, full halves of basketball where you're executing at a very high level with the personnel that you have out there as far as three minus defenders being your best three players and you're still getting away with it. I think that's like, that points to being a, a good coach and having a positive impact on your team. So that was certainly a positive for me. Um, I wanted to kind of 
take that and parlay it into a conversation about how the Bulls are maybe turning a corner, but then you just get the result from these last two games and it kind of sucks the air out of your sails. But I do think that they they have sort of found a little bit of something. Yeah, look, I'm, I I really enjoyed what, what that IO plus Caruso plus the big three, if we want to refer to them as that lineup, gave gave the Bulls in that second half against in, in that first Cavs game. Uh, they held held the Cavs to four points over the final six minutes of that game or the final five minutes of that game. So they they have found something in that. And in some ways, it's not a complete uh you know, it gets back to their identity of what they were what they were early last season, where you had Lonzo and Caruso being absolute maniacs on the perimeter with Damar and Levine behind them. Uh and, and those you know, having guards like that next to those two just enables Levine, uh, Demar, Vooch, more time to rotate, more time to get into position, more time to get into help, all those sorts of things. So it's very critical. So when Io and Caruso were playing like that in the first Cavs game, it, it kind of mimicked what we had seen before. And, and and we've seen based on that 35, 41-game sample, whatever you want to refer to from the previous season, that that can work. And that's why I really enjoyed the way they played defense in the second half of the first Cavs game and what they were doing the first half of the, the second Cavs game. So I do think that is sustainable in, the, in that approach in terms of a lineup that Billy can go to more. Um, but this is coming back to the whole refs thing. Like this is where that argument has more credence to me because the way you defend the point of attack changes very differently. If the refs obviously are going to change how they start calling the game. So that aspect, like if you're going to be a, a team that's so, uh, like ball hawking at the point of attack where you've got a guy like Caruso just absolutely hound, hound, hounding the uh, ball carrier. Same with Io as well. But those two guys are, a bit, are then ref differently like they were in the first half and they start racking up fouls and then all of a sudden you're playing more lineups without those guys. One that speaks to the issue of how important role guys at the point of attack is to this team for the reasons you noted that your big three guys like Vooch, Levine, DeMar, like when... When the defensive guys goes up, go off the court, you can't necessarily put Demar on, on Donovan or Levine on Donovan. Well, I mean, you could, but it's not necessarily going to end well. So it speaks to a lot of things. Uh, but I do think the Bulls have found something in this Io plus Caruso lineup. So I think that's that's something certainly I want to see more of going forward. And given the the schedule that's coming up, uh, you know, coming up uh, for the Bulls over the next couple of games, like they've got really really tough opponents. They've got the Nets. They got the Celtics, 76ers, Utah. Uh, I understand like Utah is sort of fading a little bit here, but like it's still a decent basketball team. So you, you're going to need your best defensive effort against these really good, powerful offensive teams. And I think putting Caruso out there with Io a little bit more is an interesting look. So that's something I definitely want to see more of, as is this sort of new, not new, because Zach has shown some some good passing chops over the years. Uh, or at least more development in that space. But again, since he's been called out from that Minnesota game, it just feels like his playmaking has been a lot better um, or there's been more of a focus to get others involved from his perspective. And we saw that again against the Cavs yesterday. He had uh, four assists in that first quarter yesterday. He finished the game with, I think, six. He had that massive assist that hit, uh, that he, he went for the drive, found Vooch for the three, Vooch Vich hit that three that we assumed was going to be the, the nail in the coffin at that point, but that came off a, of a really good read, really good react, and a really good pass from Zach. So I think if we want to focus in on Zach more generally, like obviously through the month of December and now into January, his play has been significantly better than what we saw in October and November. We can talk about the scoring we have before, uh, 
But I think just from a playmaking point of view, uh, I've, I've really enjoyed what Zach's been doing from a passing perspective. Um, just real quick from Anthony, the comment there. Um, I don't know the answer to that, but it's something that we're going to talk more about in segment three. So good point, but we're just going to hang on to that for a second here. Um, to Zach for a second, and I, I think I kind of mentioned this on a previous show, like when the game starts for me, like I'm I'm starting to look for angles I can write about for my post-game columns, uh, yeah. you know, what, what's standing out to me. And in that first quarter, I mean, Zach's passing and playmaking was yeah, yeah. so good and and you've been you've been you know tweeting about it for a while now i've been noticing it and kind of waiting for the right time um he had the i think it was the maybe the first possession where he touched the ball but he got the ball in the corner drove and then had a nice like under the basket bounce pass to io for a layup um you know he, he he's had a couple of plays where he's just kind of like snaking these pick and rolls and throwing these one-handed passes cross court and it's just it's stuff like that 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 you know he's clearly added to his game over time that's never been something that he you know like I, I was looking at his assist numbers and it's it's not like a career high or anything like that it's i think it's actually like one of the lowest numbers that he's had um over his bulls tenure but the reads that he's making and the way that he's clearly understanding how guys are moving around on the court and just like the position and where help is coming from and and where that opens up the floor i think he's really developed there and you know you, you have missed you know when, when you pass the ball to somebody and they have an open shot and they miss it like you're not going to get an assist there to me like what stands out more than just like the actual assist numbers is the way that he is reading the floor um i think that kind of opens up a larger conversation about sort of the balance of offense between him and damar um and and just like how we have that discussion where DeMar gets like these two final shots and like Zach wants to be the guy and Zach's developing a little bit more as a playmaker and he's finally shooting the ball a little bit better. And it's just kind of this interesting conversation about the two of them and coexisting. Um, and again, we'll talk about it in the third segment, but like, yeah, I just, I don't know what the fit is between those two right now. Um, obviously they had the whole, like the bulls and Zach are not seeing eye to eye conversation, but Zach and DeMar are still close and they still, you know, haven't had any problems or anything like that. But I, I do think just given the way that Zach has developed on the ball, um, I want to see if he can do that with like with more usage, with uh, with higher leverage moments, um, just to see if, if he's developed that into his game for real. And um, I think there's just got to be a better balance of it right now. And I think Zach has at the very least proven that he is um, up to the task. Well, look, from a pure coaching perspective, though, like when you see Zach do these sorts of things, it gives you more trust to give him the ball in those possessions. Whereas maybe earlier in the season where he's sort of jacking shots, taking the focus of the offense and maybe not necessarily sharing the ball as good as he is now compared to earlier in the season. Like from a pure coaching point of view, like why would I want to give that type of player the decision-making uh, ability or pr prowess in those situations to control the control what's at the outcome of the game. Whereas like with DeMar, like I feel confident that he's going to make the right play, whether that's a shot for him himself or passing the ball or creating the opportunity, whatever it might be. Or I, I, I feel confident DeMar's not going to turn the ball over, for example. Like DeMar does all of those little aspects well, which is why I think the Bulls routinely go to him as the finisher. Whereas for Zach, obviously he's had his turnover issues before in, in years past. He's had decision-making issues earlier in the season, as we noted, like he wasn't necessarily sharing the ball as well as he has been now. So 
if Zach can prove on the floor that he can do these things at a better rate, like his assist making has been over the last couple of weeks, his decision making has been a lot better. I feel uh, more generally as well, whether it's him creating for others or the type of shot he needs to take, those sorts of things. He's been getting to the rim more, shooting more threes, those sorts of things. The more he shows to us, shows to the coaching staff that he's going to make the right decisions in these moments, then I think at that point, then he deserves to get more of a, it deserves more of his number being caught in those situations. But that's on Zach to sort of prove that. Um, yeah. He does that occasionally, but then he'll go away from that. Whereas DeMar, more generally, you feel confident that he's going to right, make the right play. So, I, I agree with yeah, you in the for, sense that I was going to say, I think the, the way that I would sort of describe what I think it is that you're talking about is like with DeMar, it's kind of like you trust him to get to his spot or to make the right read. And it's kind of more just about like whether or not the ball goes in. Whereas Zach to this point in his career has been, you know, there's a chance he's going to make a great play because his talent is just like so outrageous yeah. But he could also have a really detrimental turnover or, you know, throw the ball out of bounds or dribble it off his foot or whatever it is. Like those are kind of caricatures of examples. But I, I think the idea of DeMar making the right decision in those situations gives you more confidence to put the ball in his hands. Obviously, you know, you also trust him with just the ability to make tough shots. But uh, I, I think that's an area where Zach obviously has to improve his game. But I, I feel like what we've seen from him the past, really this whole season, but uh, the past couple of games especially, that's given me some hope that he can be a little bit more um, than just kind of like a a 25-point-per-game scorer who can score at all three levels, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so look, I think more generally, I've, I've liked the way Zach's been going about it, well, since December really, but um, specifically since they uh, they all got him got on him rather after that Wolves game. So uh, hopefully that, you know, if Zach can find his stuff, maybe then the, this team, I mean, there's still time for this team to turn things around. I guess my trust issues with this team more generally varies. Uh, it comes and goes. So I don't know how much of a, a boon that necessarily is, but nonetheless, they still have time to figure things out. Uh, but look, let's, let's move on. Let's push on because we've got another segment to go and that's probably the one that people want to get into or dive into, which is obviously the status of the team where it should go. From a more holistic standpoint, that's what everyone talks about, uh, wants to know about, and with good reason, particularly after games like yesterday. So we'll head to that segment shortly. But before we do that, let's um, pay some more bills. But I want to start, Will, by telling all of our listeners, but more importantly, you too, about our friends at Game Time, uh, who, if you don't happen to know, they are the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, shows, whatever you want game time habit so if you've ever dreamed at sitting at a seat that you've you've never been in before maybe sitting at the 50 yard line the court side at an nba game behind home plate at a baseball game or maybe even floor seats at a concert all of that is possible when you use the game time app they have the biggest last minute price drops that can be found anywhere on seats that you thought you could never buy so you won't find a better deal if you want to get to a bulls game and I, and I definitely do. I'm heading over to Chicago in March. One of the first apps I'm getting when I get there. One of the first platforms I'm using. I've got to work out my trip. I need to get my hands on some Bulls tickets. I'm using the Game Time app to get that done. So Game Time is an app created by the fans for the for the fans, and it guarantees the lowest price that you could possibly get. So if you love CHDO, then you will love Game Time. 
the best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description of this podcast. So join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats possible to all your favorite events. If you love CHGO, as Mark just mentioned, you should also consider signing up to be a diehard member. Um, as you guys may or may not know, we have removed our paywall, meaning um, all of my writing, all of our other great journalists covering the Bears, the Bulls, the White Sox, the Cubs, the Blackhawks, um, all that written content is now free for you guys to see at our website, allchgo.com. But as a result of that, we have created this new way to be a member, um, and we're calling it Diehards. So Diehard members, uh, you can sign up at our website. You'll still get access to the podcast and live shows every day. We're still going to be doing our pre- and post-game shows. Um, we will have uh, additional premium written content for, for paying members only, and that will be in the form of newsletters that come about once a week from myself from Adam Hogue, Nick Moriano, um, and, and Cubs and, and, you know, all, all of our other teams, writers. Um, if you sign up, you'll get access to, um, our members only discord where you can talk with us. And I've been, um, asking for, uh, Q and a ideas in there. Mark's been really active in there as well. So you have more of a chance to connect with us. Uh, you also get a free t-shirt and as always, you'll have access to the CHGO locker where you can get all of our um, merch, and there it is on Mark's chest. So uh, if you love us and you love what you do, consider becoming a diehard member. Go check it out at allchgo.com, and you can get some more details there. Yeah, CHGO across the chest, baby. That, that, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm all about. Got that spirit, oh, got that soul. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about let's That, close the show that shits me to tears. That shits me to tears. <laughs> I'm really trying to make that a thing here. Well, uh, yeah, good luck with that, mate. Good luck with that. Sounds, so let's talk better with your accent. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we'll work on your Australian accent and then maybe you'll nail it down. But <laughs> I think what what the Bulls need to nail down is their direction going forward. And this is what people well, want to know. Uh, you know. What are we doing here? What the hell are we doing here? Are we trying to retool this thing? Are we rebuilding this thing? Are we blowing this thing up? Like, what is the ultimate goal here? You, you told us that you want to make the playoffs. You want to improve on what you did last season, which I assume is not losing in the first round um, and, and, and advancing past the first round. That's my assumption. At the very to, least, what, winning games. more than one game in the first round. That, too. Like, that is the maybe, maybe. absolute bare minimum. But guess what? You got to make the playoffs in order to lose in four or five games in the playoffs. True, true. So look, who the, who the hell knows what's going to happen over the coming months, whether the Bulls even get to this point. But ultimately, the trade deadline is the first key milestone. The, the, irrespective of where this team is at, they have decisions to make. So that was always going to be a thing that we, we as a fan base needed to monitor. Uh, what were the Bulls doing? Now, obviously, the context of what they do at that deadline would maybe shift based on where the team is at. We know where the team is at at the moment. There's several games under 500. They're barely in the play-in chase. How should this change the dynamics of what happens going forward? And look, it's something that I think about often. You think about often. Um, you write about often. People in the comments here right now, like the majority of the questions that we're getting or comments that we're getting relates to not necessarily like 
X's and O's or, you know, specific in-game things. It's more holistic. Like, all right, well, what is this team doing? Like, should we continue building around Zach Levine? Should we continue having DeMar and Vooch around on this thing? Do we need to change the type of players around this sort of, uh, around the team that we have? So, like, all of these are worthy questions. And they're questions that remain unanswered at the moment because the front office haven't necessarily spoken on the issue and who knows if they will. But I guess it's, you know, it's left to us to just talk about it, talk through it and and just start to try to get a sense as to what we should or shouldn't be doing in this case. So let's talk about retooling, rebuilding, blowing it up. But before we do, maybe we can just set the terms of what we're actually talking about here because this is the frustrating part about this from my perspective at least, like, Every single person has a different definition as to what a rebuild is versus what a blow it up is versus what a retool is. So before we even have this conversation, can we at least frame the conversation first? So I'll throw it to you, Will, but like from your perspective, what is the what is a retool versus a rebuild versus a blow it up or whatever you want to call it? Uh, how does that sit for you? And then how does that ultimately, um, you know, that how does that framework then set the path for you as to what should happen next? Yeah, so just zooming out a little bit, I think before I left for my trip, we had we had a conversation. I wrote about it. I think you wrote wrote about it as well. Where over the month of December, they had this easier stretch of games. They came into the month, I think, five games under five hundred, maybe six, and um, and they had this chance to write the ship. and And we both kind of said they've got twelve games here. If you win eight, if you go eight and four, you're you're kind of like in the in the running now you're you're building back on what was a really tough start to the season and you're putting yourself in a position to like be a legitimate team in the playoff race um they did not do that i think they went like five and something uh over the last 10 games they're five and five um they're still five games under 500 and so i think it is fair to start you know thinking about the moves that need to be made. And so for me, it was, um, you know, if you, if you can't get yourself back into within a game or two of 500, you know, you've, you've got to start thinking about your future here. And so that takes us, I think, to this idea of retool versus rebuild for me. And, and we can sort of come to terms on this if you have a different opinion, but basically retooling means you are keeping, I would say one of Zach or Namar and you are, sort of changing the the rest of the pieces to continue to build around whichever player you decide. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can include Vooch in that conversation right now, and we'll get into that more. But basically, I just I don't see him, given his contract situation and given his value around, you know, the, the rest of the league and what you could get back from in a trade, I don't really think you can put him in the category of, like, player to build around or not. Yeah. Um, so for me, retooling means picking Zach or Demar and going forward with one of them. Rebuilding would mean being open to trading both of those guys. And whether that means absolutely blowing it up and going for a tank or continuing to try to be good with whatever comes back in a trade for both of those guys, um, the idea with a rebuild would be, you know, stripping it down, changing up the players and trying to move forward from there. Um, does that sound about right to you? Yeah. So the way I like to think about it is, uh, the context of retool versus a rebuild depends on what you as a team are trying to do or the ethos of the team in terms of where are you trying to be 
in in 12 months 24 months 36 months those sorts of time periods so like for me like a retool you're still trying to win games in a retool like you're still ultimately trying to chase that playoff dream you're still trying to win games in the postseason all that's changing is the players around that maybe you know you don't have zach in that instance maybe you trade him out and maybe you get something back for him and then you're going with demar or maybe it's the complete opposite maybe you're trading out demar you bring in someone else next to put next to uh zach um, but effectively, the goal remains the same. You're still head, trying to head to the postseason, whereas a rebuild is basically a change on both fronts. Like you're changing your direction. You're not necessarily change. You're not necessarily interested in trying to win games or trying to get to the postseason, trying to make the second round, the conference finals, whatever the situation is. You're, you're setting a new course from a, a direction point of view, and ultimately, when you do that, you're, you're you're generally doing that with different players as well. You're trading out Zach, you're trading out Demar, you, you're trying to get you know positive assets back that will help you down the line. So, like that's how I like to think about it. Um, I think more generally, everyone feels similarly, but um, I just I just wanted to get that clear up front, just that people know what we're talking about that and how we're defining this conversation, uh, because it can be confusing at times because everyone has different opinions or different uh, definitions as to what things are. Um, so now that, that is said, I guess. I, I think that's, that's a really good point. Um, Anthony in the comments brings up sort of another interesting way to talk about it, which is that a rebuild is, is what the Pistons magic and Spurs are doing. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's sort of fair. He also says a retool is what the jazz are doing. I think they were going for a rebuild, but ended up just being yeah. better than they thought. Uh, I still think what they by by trading, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich, Gobert, and uh, seventy-one point Donovan Mitchell. I think they were going for a rebuild, and they still might be, but they have just sort of overperformed. But I think all those teams are uh, examples of complete course correct, changing roster um, and, and building through the draft, as opposed to, um, you know, I, I guess the yeah the the Jazz even included, although they got a ton of good players back, like the the Hall that they got was, you know, eight picks for Gobert and Donovan combined. So I think that's that's a pretty big part of it too is uh, do you want to get players or do you want to get picks back? Mm-hmm. So l- l- let's talk this through then. Like l- let's start with the retail angle first because I think this is the most likely angle and whether this happens this season, in season or whether it's something that happens in the off season, um, you can talk me into when that may occur, but I think this is the most likely route for a number of different reasons for this franchise. So assuming that's the case, obviously the, the goal remains the same. Like we said before, the, the goal remains to make the postseason. You want to be a team that's winning or trying to win games, trying to win more than you lose. Uh, that's the the expectation that AK, Mark Eversley have set. That's what they wanted to do when they, were, when they came to Chicago. Uh, that was the goal in mind. But obviously, if you're going to do that, you need to change a lot of things and the whole continuity nonsense can't continue into a third season. So something has to change. And for something for something to change, you would assume it have to be something of, of, of consequence, something of uh, larger note. So I guess that comes back to, for me at least, like, is this a situation where, where if the Bulls retool, they have to pick one of Zach and Demar, Or is it a situation where you keep both and you look to retool the roster around them. Like, what is your opinion on that? Do you think you need to separate these two? Uh, be interested to get your take on that. Yeah, it's tough to say because I think if you're gonna separate them, I think inherently you're losing so much talent. Now it depends on what you get back, but you're you're likely losing so much talent that it does take you out of 
the running for a play-in spot, certainly a play-off spot. Um, so I think in that way, splitting them up uh, could be viewed as sort of a rebuild or a retool. Um, I agree with you that I don't think they're going to go full blow it up and trade everyone. Um, maybe it's just Caruso that they decide to trade, which I think would be um, sort of a strange way to go about it too. But at the end of the day, for me, where it comes down to is like, you just have to get the lay of the land and do your due diligence and find out what the best return is you could get for each of these players and make an informed decision that way. Because you can't just say, well, Zach's younger, so let's trade Damar. Or, um, you know, Damar's playing better than Zach, so we can get more back for him. Or Zach's younger, so we could get more back for him. I think you you really just have to understand what kind of return you can get. Um before you go either way. I mean, is that kind of what you're thinking as well? That was exactly the point that I was going to make. Um, so, uh, look, I, I said before, you and I have... We Does it shit you to tears away... that you didn't get to say it first? <laughs> no, not not at all. No, you set, you set up the platform here for me to go off. But, like, you and I, we think very similarly. And, and like, that was exactly the point that I was going to make. Like, I think before you can even consider which path you want to take, you need to map out both paths. And the whole process of mapping out that path involves doing your due diligence and understanding, all right, if I trade Zach, this is what's on the table. If I trade Demar, this is what I can get. If I trade Vooch, this is what I can get. And if the results of that aren't very fruitful, then maybe you don't necessarily want to give away all three of them. Maybe you want to keep Zach and Demar together and maybe you want to re-engineer your cap space to the point where maybe you can be a free agent player and maybe you go out there and try to replace Vooch replace a few of the role guys so in effect you land in a retooling situation however given the state of the nba right now like there's not a lot of uh teams who are sellers at the at at the moment there's a lot of teams who want to be buyers because they feel like they're on the precipice of doing something interesting so maybe they will overpay for someone like zach or damar or virtual insert whoever player caruso maybe you can get a good return for caruso as an example like that contending team wanting just that one you know, fantastic role guy that can help help them put them over the top. Like if you've done your due diligence and some team like, I don't know, insert whoever team, maybe it's the Knicks, maybe it's the Dallas Mavericks, whoever it is. Like if they give you just an absolute haul for Zach, like a, I don't think you're getting a Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert level sort of return for someone like Zach. But I, you know, if, if a team offers you three first round picks, uh, a couple of swaps and maybe an interesting young player or two or something of that, nature that combination of things then if you've got that on hand for zach and you can get maybe something a little bit similar for demar then maybe that does push you or should push you more down the the rebuild tool so my answer on this is entirely dependent on well what the hell can you get for your guys because if i can't get much for them then maybe now isn't the right time to trade him trade them and just trading them for the sake of trading them because you want to go down the rebuilding path because you know they're not contenders, not going to win a championship. Why are we even bothering? Like, yeah, okay, I understand that sentiment. But at the same time, you need to make sure that you are getting fair return and, and good value for your guys. So if if teams are prepared to offer you up a haul for Demar and Zach because of the reasons I stated, like the, 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 the landscape of the league at the moment, then, then maybe that does push you or should push you down the path of the rebuild. But irrespective of like, Doing that path, like or, or doing your due, due, uh, due diligence rather of the retail versus rebuild, there are other factors in this that control ultimately what path you head down, and this is the part where I like come back to like what they should do versus what they will do. Like that's a different conversation in itself as well. Like 
for me, what they should do, assuming they can get good, really good value for Zach and Demar, I think they should rebuild in that instance. Because yeah, get get as much as you can for these guys, because ultimately this team isn't winning anything of grand nature and I would have been happy to stick with this team if they were good, a, a good, fun, competitive team that could, you know, do very similar things to what to what the Indiana Pacers are doing right now. Like have a winning record, be a good, fun team, be in the top six very comfortably. But they're not doing that, so they should be looking to do something of significant nature. But I think there's going to be, you know, other elements in the background that influence what they can or can't do, and you know, it ultimately comes back to ownership and those sorts of things. So, what I think they should do almost doesn't really matter because I think what they will do is stay the course, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's it's a difficult situation because I think a lot of the time you get the best value for players in these big blockbuster deals during the offseason when teams have a better idea of you know where the pick is that they're going to be trading or um, what kind of contract guys are going to be signing. Um I do think the Bulls need to do something. They cannot get past this trade deadline without making any trades. Um, that that would just be like unacceptable and, and yeah, unbelievable, uh, given the way that they've played. Yeah. I also said this before, like maybe a month ago. They're not good enough to warrant trading more picks, more assets to get win now guys. And I think they've that sh- the ship has sailed on that. Um, so in that sense, I think you you are going to go the retool or rebuild route. Um, maybe it is just Vooch or Caruso or whatever it is, and then the teardown continues in the summer. But for me, um, and I think a lot of this conversation comes back to the idea that the, the pick is already out, top four protected. Um, you can't You can't not do what's best for your future because you don't have your pick this year. You have to consider what is best for you longer term. And I don't think staying the course with this group to give up the seventh pick is a better outcome than setting yourself up better for 2025 and giving up the fifth pick. I just, I don't think you can operate that way. And so to me, you do need to do something if it gets you worse, but doesn't keep your pick. As long as it sets you up better for the future, I think you have to at least consider that. Um, but we are at the point of they got to do something here and trying to get better doesn't really make any sense. So I think it does kind of come down to this idea of who can you get the most for? Can you get great value for both of these guys? If so, um, I mean, yeah, the ownership hurdle might be there. Management might not be ready to, you know, take the L on this group that they put together, but at the end of the day, as we talked about at the top, like the record is the record. This team is who they are. Lonzo is probably not playing this year. Um, like the the continuity thing has failed. You you have to move forward, and I think continuing on this route is just gonna prolong the the problems here. Yeah, look, you're sixteen and twenty one. Um, Anything, anything and everything needs to be on the table. So for me, like, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not necessarily thinking. Oh, all right, if if we're five games under five hundred, we we need to trade Demar because he's thirty three. We need to trade Vooch. Let's let's retool around Zach. That's not my thinking because maybe maybe Zach is the best haul, the best guy to trade because you can get a huge haul back. So I guess my point is where this season is right now. Every single thing should be on the table. That includes trading Io, trading Pat. Like just because they're young doesn't mean they should be here beyond 
beyond this season. Like every single thing should be on the table. The management should be assessing what value they can get for every single guy. And based on that, whether the the expected return for what they can get for that player exceeds the, the, the value they think they can get or hope can get. Like if, if someone, like I said, if someone gives you a haul for Zach, then let's trade him. If someone gives you a haul for DeMar, then, then do that too. But uh, look, we'll see what happens. A lot of it's going to be dictated by what they can or can can or can't get in the market, but maybe more holistically, it's going to be determined by what path ownership and management want to, what, what they want to take. But obviously time will tell. We're getting closer to the trade deadlines, so basically you know, five weeks away at this point. The Bulls have to do something for all the reasons you noted, like Vooch, Io, Javante, Kobe, their expiring contracts at the end of the season. You need to do something, but whether that something means something more holistically that changes the course of the team, that's obviously what we'd, uh, we don't know yet, but we'll be discussing more in detail over the coming weeks. But nonetheless, let's, let's close the podcast here, William. Uh, I'm very happy to say that uh, having you back, having you back in the, in, well, not my country, in your country, that we can now routinely podcast again. It just gives me that extra pep in that step. Like whatever, whatever the bulls do to take that away from me, you give it back to me. So I whatever the opposite of shits me to tears is, that's how you're feeling. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, that's effectively what I'm trying to say. So what, no. I, what I'm really saying is I'm glad you're back. I'm glad to be uh, having Bulls conversations with you again. I'm glad everyone's tuning in and you know commenting in a way. like Because talking through this all, it just makes me feel a lot better about the situation. So I appreciate you uh, at Will underscore Gottlieb on Twitter. Obviously, you guys know where to find Will. Uh, I'm at MK Hoops. Everyone tuning in, whether that's our friends here in the comments, people watching on, on YouTube, whether you're catching this on Spotify or iTunes, whatever the situation may be. Very much appreciate everyone who follows us here at CHGO Bulls. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. Dave and Matt will be back for pregame tomorrow. Uh, or, or, yeah, pregame, 6.30 p.m., I believe, if I've got my time zone conversions mm-hmm. correctly for Bulls Nets tomorrow. So that should be an interesting and fun game. Thank you for everyone tuning in. Uh, as always, support our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code CHGO. But like I said, Matt and Dave will be back for you guys tomorrow for pregame. But thank you for tuning in today. Uh, we'll speak very soon, Bulls fans.